0: Good morning, morning. wonderful to see all of you here today. Our scripture reading is Psalm number 65, Psalm 65. God of Zion, to you even silence is praise. Promises made to you are kept. You listen to prayer and all living things come to you. When wrongdoings become too much for me, you forgive our sins. How happy is the one you chose to bring close, the one who lives in your courtyards. We are filled full by the goodness of your house, by the holiness of your temple. In righteousness you answer us. By your awesome deeds, God of our salvation, you who are the security of all the far edges of the earth, even the distant seas, you establish the mountains by your strength. You are dressed in raw power. You calm the roaring seas, calm the roaring waves, calm the noise of the nations. Those who dwell on the far edges stand in awe of your acts. You make the gateways of morning and evening sing for joy. You visit the earth and make it abundant, enriching it greatly by God's stream full of water. You provide people with grain because that is what you've decided. Drenching the earth's furrows, leveling its ridges, you soften it with rain showers. You bless its growth. You crown the year with your goodness, your paths overflow with rich food. Even the desert pastures drip with joy, and the hills are dressed in pure joy. Meadowlands are covered with flocks, the valleys decked out in grain. They shout for joy, they break out in song. This is the word of God for the people of God. And now, O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When I was growing up, my family often spent our Sundays with my grandparents in Kissimmee. It was my father's parents. And every Sunday that we were there, my grandmother would make a a huge home-cooked meal for us. And she was a fantastic cook. Every single thing was made from scratch, often from uh, produce that my grandfather grew in the garden. These meals were abundant and they were fantastic. And she would spend the entire afternoon cooking. Now there's a reason it took all afternoon. My grandmother refused to ever turn the stove above medium heat at the highest. Now, I don't believe this was a culinary technique. I think she was just scared of high heat. My grandmother was incredibly cautious. She never moved very quickly. She always carried a sweater, even when it was 100 degrees, because you never know when you might get a chill. I'm not exaggerating when I tell you that she wouldn't even boil water at high heat. Medium was the highest she would ever go. I think she was afraid of the heat. And I think some of us pray like that. We pray nice, medium to low heat prayers. It reminds me of Revelation chapter 3, 15 through 16. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Ouch. Now I'm not suggesting that my grandmother's cooking wasn't delicious, it was. I'm not suggesting that our prayers are not sincere or genuine or heartfelt, I know they are. I'm not suggesting that God doesn't listen to low heat prayers, I believe that God does, thank goodness. What I'm suggesting is that sometimes you have to throw uh, caution out the window and with reckless abandon, turn up the heat the high. So be it if the pot boils over a little bit. Sometimes you just need a little more heat. So today we come to the end of this 40-day season of prayer, at least as far as the sermons are concerned. We've been talking about how prayer is like crossing a threshold into a different kind of reality. I hope over these 40 days you have broadened and deepened your understanding and appreciation of prayer. I hope your understanding of prayer has deepened. I hope you've become more comfortable in your prayer life, but most importantly, I hope you've developed a habit of prayer. They say it takes 30 days in a row to develop a a habit. Well, we've done 40. So my hope is you will be praying from from now on because it has become a habit in your life. Well, before we end this season, I have one more message for you, and I'm calling it crossing the threshold to greater faith. What do I mean by greater faith? Faith is defined in scriptures in Hebrews 11.1 as the reality of what we hope for, the proof of what we don't see. Often when we pray, we're praying for something we hope for, something that is not yet, something that we currently don't see, but we're praying in faith. But I want to ask you this morning, are you content praying reasonable prayers, bringing only reasonable requests to God, basically praying for what you do see, what you can imagine? Do you in your prayers risk the possibility of praying for what we hope for the most? How often are your prayers big, hairy, audacious prayers, praying for what seems like impossible things, for things that only God could do? Are we content to pray on low to medium heat or are we willing to turn up the heat on our prayers to pray bigger prayers, hotter prayers, more faith-filled, hope-filled prayers? The novelist Barbara Kingsolver writes, the very least you can do in your life is to figure out what you hope for. That's the least. Figure out what you hope for. And the most you can do is live inside that hope. That's a faith-filled prayer, to hope big hopes and to live inside that hope. Well, how do we do that? It's by claiming the promises of Jesus, I believe. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life in abundance. I have come that they may live life to the fullest. Living a faith-filled prayer life is, is believing that God has a calling and a purpose for each of us, that God can and will use you in bigger ways than you've ever dreamed, that your life can have greater significance than you've ever hoped, that you can, with God, dream big dreams and set big goals, that you can be part of something big and important, that your relationships can be healthy, And that your broken relationships can be healed. That your life can make a difference in this world. And that when you die, you can leave a meaningful legacy. That there's meaning, that there's purpose, that it's reasonable to believe in and pray for impossible and seemingly unreasonable things. The invitation for us is to pray bigger prayers for ourselves, for our families, for our communities, for this church, for the community, for the world. One of my recent new favorite authors is John O'Donohue, who says, one of the greatest sins is the unlived life. Let me read that again. One of the greatest sins is the unlived life. Not to allow yourself to become the chief executive of the project you call your life. To have a reverence always for the immensity that is inside of you. I love that phrase. A reverence for the immensity inside of you and me. The kind of prayer I'm talking about is a prayer that asks God to reveal and empower those immense possibilities that might be lying dormant in you, in our church, and in our world, and to see what could be through God's eyes. Some of you may remember the old Batman TV show. If you remember the old TV show, you may remember that red bat phone. There were actually several of them. There was one in Wayne Manor, there was one in the Batcave, there was one uh, in the Batmobile, And the only person who had access to those phones was the remaining bat phone, which was on Commissioner Gordon's desk. Anytime there was a problem, anytime there was trouble, the Joker, the Riddler, the Catwoman were doing something terrible. Commissioner Gordon could pick up that phone and call Batman directly. And help was on the way. Wouldn't it be great to have a bat phone? Or you may remember a few years ago that Staples, the office supply company, said that there was such a thing as an easy button. That whatever your business supply need, whatever your problem was, whatever opportunity you're pursuing, that Staples was as easy as pushing a button and they could help you with anything. Wouldn't it be nice to have an easy button? But I don't have a bat phone I don't have an easy button wouldn't it be nice if we had access to someone who cares someone that has power someone who could actually respond to our deepest hopes longings and need wouldn't it be nice or some of you may remember there used to be a, a party game called Six Degrees of Separation of Kevin Bacon, the actor. Because he has played so many diverse roles in so many different movies, there used to be a game that under the belief that, that almost everyone in Hollywood is connected to Kevin, Kevin Bacon and at least six degrees of separation of relationship and so the way the party the game is played is you think of someone and and how many uh, degrees of separation might you be from this famous person And, and the idea is that all of us are only about six acquaintances away from just about anyone else well i used to win this game every time i had just recently met one of oprah winfrey's television producers i had his phone number and he had hers. I also had a friend who played basketball with Shaquille O'Neal. I had his phone number and he had Shaq's. That meant that I was only two degrees separation from Oprah Winfrey and Shaquille O'Neal and they know everybody important in the world. And just three degrees of separation, I could get to the most powerful influential people in the world, at least in terms of the game. I didn't have any access to Oprah or Shaq at all. I never met them, I could never call them. Whoever they knew, they knew, it had nothing to do with me at all. I don't know Shaq, I don't know Oprah, I don't have a bat phone, I don't have an easy button. But I do know personally the creator of the universe who I believe loves me and wants to be involved in my life. Psalm 145, 17 through 18 says, The Lord is righteous in all his ways, faithful in all his deeds. The Lord is close to everyone who calls out to him, to all who call out to him sincerely. I chose for our text today Psalm 65. If you were paying attention as I read, you heard two ideas. One, that this is a remarkably powerful God and that this God cares about God's people and acts on our behalf. Listen again to verses 5 through 8. By awesome deeds you answer us with deliverance, O God of our salvation. You are the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas. By your strength you establish the mountains. You are girded with might. You silence the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the peoples. Those who live at earth's furthest bounds are awed by your signs. You make the gateways of the morning and the evening shout. For joy. Notice how these things are paired. A God of incomparable power who acts on our behalf. The same creator God who is a God of deliverance and salvation. The same God who established the mountains and silences the roaring seas. Who is also the hope of the earth. This is an all powerful God who is also Compassionate caring deeply for our needs to know this God only requires eyes of faith and faith filled prayer to see and know who this God is and what this God can do throughout this series Pastor Emily and I have both told you week in week out that the purpose of prayer is to know God the purpose of prayer is to know God a God who is knowable who wants you to know him and wants to be known by you. But notice, neither of us has said that the purpose of prayer is for the purpose of of asking or begging or bargaining or coercing or convincing God to do something. And let's be honest. How often do we think of prayer as exactly that? Trying in some way to convince God to do what we want God to do. As we said, prayer too often resembles that letter to Santa Claus, convincing God I've been a good boy. Now give me the stuff. Now I'm not suggesting that we can't or shouldn't make requests of God. Clearly, Scripture says we can and must." Philippians 4:6. Don't be anxious about anything. Rather, bring up all your requests to God in your prayers and petitions, along with giving thanks. Bring all your requests to God. God wants to hear your requests. Jesus described prayer as as like going to your neighbor's house late at night and pounding on the door until he finally gets up and answers and gives you bread. Not because he's generous, but because he's tired of your knocking. Jesus said that. Jesus said prayer is like a, a widow who keeps going to the judge relentlessly until he finally gives her justice. Not because he believes in justice, but because he's tired of her. And We might get the idea from passages like this that that's what prayer is. That I just have to pray long enough. That I just need to beg and grovel. That I just need to annoy God. Well, that's not the point. The point of these passages and, and bringing our request to God is, is not because God wants a certain amount of prayer, as though if I had just prayed one or two more times, God might have answered, or that there are certain prayer hoops that we're supposed to jump through to get God to do what we want to do, or, or even that God needs to be informed, as though God didn't really know what we were thinking or needing. That's not the point. I think the point of prayer, persistence in prayer, faith in prayer, is that gradually God reveals to us in prayer what God is already doing. We don't need to convince God. We need to be shown by God who God is and what God wants to do. We need to see in Revelation the possibility and the potential. It says in Matthew 6, 8, the Father knows what you need before you ask. So what's the point? The point is, the more we pray, the more persistent we are in prayer, the more faith-filled our prayer, the bigger the prayer, the more we're connected with God, the more we see what is possible when God is involved. As you've probably heard me say before, my first and favorite passage of Scripture is Matthew 17:20. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, You could say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible. Nothing will be impossible. Imagine that. The smallest thing that we can see, a tiny little mustard seed. Jesus says, that's enough faith in me to do what seems impossible, to move the biggest thing you could imagine, a mountain. Say to it, move. If you pray in faith, it will move. What a remarkable promise. But it's not the only one. This is the theme of scripture, that we underestimate the power of God, that we in our minds think this is what's possible, that's impossible, it can't be. And God over and over shows us that God is in the impossibility business. Genesis 18, 14, ask the question, is anything too difficult for the Lord? What's the answer? Well, that sounded very low heat. <laughs> Let's turn the knob. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? No. That's about medium. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? No. Thank you. Matthew 18, 26, all things are possible for God. Mark 9, 23, all things are possible for the one who has faith, that's us. Mark 14, 36, Abba, Father, Jesus said, for you all things are possible. Luke 18, 27, what is impossible for humans is possible for God. Ephesians three twenty. glory to God who is able to do far beyond all that we could ask or imagine by his power at work within us. The Bible tells us over and over and over, nothing is impossible, nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible. What if we prayed, believing nothing is impossible for God? What if we prayed, imagining that God can do seemingly impossible things? What if we prayed fewer puny prayers? and more God-sized prayers. I believe I've shared before that my first real exposure to scripture came my senior year of college in the spring semester. I wasn't attending a Bible study. I was not particularly spiritual. I, I hadn't had a conversion experience. I was just desperate for life direction and I happened to have a King James Bible someone gave me and it seemed as good an option as any so I started reading and I'll be honest most of it I didn't understand I didn't know the stories or their point I didn't understand the theology and it was in King James which made it harder but every few pages I'd come across a verse that says something like ask and you will receive search and you will find I was searching Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Whoever seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door is opened. What a promise. Ask and you will receive. John 15, 16 says, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give to you. What a promise. James 4, 2 says, You do not have because you do not Ask Well, if that's true, then I'm going to ask. Friends, I'm here today because of passages like this. These promises of God that God says, if you ask me, I will do it. That's what set me on my path. That's what got me to here today. Dare we believe. Dare we believe in a God who does impossible things. Now, let's be honest. We're sophisticated people educated people intellectual people there's lots of reasons not to pray outrageous prayers there's there's lots of reasons to be reasonable in our spiritual life I I mean who wants to get their hopes up who wants to seem like a fanatic or maybe you've been disappointed before Maybe you've prayed one of those impossible prayers, and it wasn't answered in the way that you wanted it to be answered. And you don't want to be disappointed again. I understand that. But my challenge to you today is to pray bigger prayers. We gather here week after week. We, we say creeds, we sing hymns, saying that we believe there is a God, a God who is powerful a God who is loving, a God who is good. We say, we claim that there is a realm of the Spirit beyond our imaginations, that there is a kingdom of heaven at hand. We claim to believe that there is a God who moves in in strange and mysterious ways, that there's no limit to what this God can and will do. We read these scriptures that contain some insight into who God is and what is possible. For these 40 days, we've said we can have direct access to this knowable God. Even if it seems hard to believe, what have you got to lose? If you were to pray a bigger prayer right now, what would you pray? If you were to hope more now than you've dared to hope for before, what would you hope for? If you were to ask God to move a mountain in your life, what would you call that mountain? Why not pray that prayer right now? Why not turn up the heat and pray a prayer only God can answer? Let's do it now. Let's pray.